The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have a very special episode because last Saturday... Uh, my friend Joey House and his wife Lindsay stopped by to do a breathing uh, guided meditation and ice bath with me. Um, I've been really interested in a while. I've been doing Joey's online class, breathing class, uh, to prepare for this. And this is all research for my traumatic brain injury book. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. We talked about it afterwards. You guys will hear that right now. Uh, if you're wondering why my voice is shaking, it's not because I'm nervous. It's because we just did an ice bath. Uh, Joey did it too, but he's so used to it, so he wasn't affected. But I could definitely hear mine. Um, but it was pretty awesome. And then at the end of the podcast, I will share a story from 25 Perfect Days plus five more. This one is US8994X. Uh, this is the first story in five more perfect days than novella, but I'm going to do all the stories in order. So that one is up next, and this one is narrated by John Anthony Davis. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to Joey and his wife uh, talk about this amazing uh, breathwork, meditation, and ice bath, and enjoy the story at the very end. All right, guys. Thanks for checking it out. Hey, we have two very special guests. We have Joey House and his wife, Lindsay. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for coming over here, joining me at my house, and providing a super awesome day. Hell yeah. Excited to be here. Very cool. So, I invited Joey. Well, before we even get started, let's talk a little bit about who you are um, and why you're here. Uh, so, if you want to introduce yourself, just a little bit about your background with the Marines, with uh, Jiu-Jitsu, and kind of what led you to what you do now for sure. your job. Yeah, so I guess there's a bit of a story there. I guess I've always been trying uh, trying to test myself in all sorts of different ways. And so yeah, like the Marines is part of it. I feel it all started as a high school wrestler, which then became a college wrestler. And I just remember like the practices being crazy intense. We'd run seven mile warm up runs and then getting into it with sprints, calisthenics, drilling, wrestling, weights, all these things and just the practices being insane i remember my brain would always want to quit like in the like in the middle of it it would just be like loud like all right we're done this is too much i'm done and then eventually it would just stop it would just like that would go away and as soon as it went away i felt like i can just go forever and so i kind of became obsessed looking for different things that were kind of challenging in that way that kind of because it was a piece as soon as it just went away no matter how difficult the practice was i was able to just keep going and there wasn't any kind of resistance or anything like that. So I initially started to look for those kind of challenges and then went into the Marines, same thing, looking for those challenges. Uh, found then jujitsu after that because like I really missed wrestling. And then also found the personal development world which also kind of introduced a lot of these different tools. But as far as what we're doing here today with the Wim Hof Method, that also started in jujitsu. That was basically inspired from a Hicks and Gracie seminar. He came to Jean-Jacques Machado's academy, taught a really a lot of awesome jujitsu technique, but then at the end of that really started to go into breathing and talking about why breathing was the second most important thing he ever learned in his life outside of jujitsu. And then also talked about cold exposure. If you've ever seen the documentary Choke, he goes into the cold waters of Japan and just really just like finds a way to relax while he was in there. Someone asked him why he did it 
gave the coolest answer ever, said, I do it to embrace death. And so I remember thinking, like, all right, I'm in. I want to do whatever this guy's doing. Because it was just like how he talked about it was like as if it was coming from this kind of guru kind of character. And Hicks and Gracie also, you know, commands that kind of respect as well. And so I remember just being like, okay, I want to learn from this. And he talked about his, uh, his yoga instructor, a guy by the name of Orlando Connie, who taught, it was, at the time it was called Gymnastica Natural, which then turned into Biogynastica. And so I remember like, all right, I got to learn, I got to meet this Orlando Connie character. And then I get a call a few weeks later from a friend uh, saying, hey, I have a friend from Rio de Janeiro, needs a place to stay while he's in America. Uh, his name's Marcelo Barros and is the head instructor of the Orlando Connie Institute in Rio de Janeiro. Just this crazy coincidence, but I was like, all right, he can live with us. And so he really just started teaching like all these different breathing mechanics that I never knew. I never knew, oh, you can breathe deeper into your belly, into your ribs, your back, your chest, like learning all these different ways of breathing. And then I saw that A, my gas tank in jujitsu went up dramatically. And then B, I was like, oh, I can make myself a lot more calm and relaxed from this deep breathing. And then also from doing the Hicks and Gracie seminar, me and my best friend Eric Medina would jump into our cold pool in winter just to see how long we can last. We weren't, there was no method behind it. We were just, all right, like we're gonna jump in and jump out. All right, we're gonna jump in, we're gonna do a minute. All right, we're gonna do two minutes. We're gonna do five, 10, 15 minutes. And then one day, our friend Marcelo goes, hey, you gotta check out this guy. He's doing everything we're doing, but bringing it to science and all this stuff. And it was Wim Hof. And I saw the first, uh, it was the Vice documentary on Wim Hof mm. where he was taking people. That was like what was really cool about it was that a, he's able to do all these things, but then he would bring regular people. Like the Vice documentary is like this goofy guy who was just like a reporter who came to Wim and they ended up climbing Mount Schneska in just shorts and shoes. Uh, Wim took the guy through all the cold exposure, all the breath work, and then they showed like what he was doing with science and how he brought it to science, all the research done with it. And I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I wanna learn more from this guy. And then through another synchronicity, go to a Tony Robbins event. And on like the Sunday where Tony has different people who speak, Wim Hof was there, took everyone through the breathing. And if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, you feel amazing throughout the event. You're just really using your physiology to just bring on all these endorphins. You're feeling amazing. But then when Wim came and he took us through the breathing, I remember feeling really amazing, energized, but also really grounded as well. And then through the breathing, I held my breath for two minutes with no problem, a thing I've never done before. So I was, okay, I'm hooked, I'm in. And then found a Wim Hof Method workshop, found out how to go through the process of being an instructor. Uh, and here I am today showing people how to do the breathing, how to stay calm in the chaos of the ice bath. And yeah, it's been a really uh, exciting journey so far. That's awesome. Now, what is, <clears throat> why, why do you enjoy teaching and, uh, and giving this? So what do you think, what, what are you giving people? So I, I know what would I personally get out of it. And it's just one of those things I know that, so I'm, I've been in the personal development world before I was even a Wim Hof Method instructor. I would volunteer at Tony Robbins events and then I, the company I currently work for called Evolving Out Loud, I spent time volunteering there. And I felt that I got a lot more from 
being at the event and giving to the event as opposed to just being there and experiencing it. But I also know what you get from being at these kinds of things and experiencing them. And same thing with the Wim Hof method. I know what it's like to go through the breath work, to go through the ice bath and what it feels like on the other side. And so it's just, it's a really amazing thing to be a part of other people's transformations, to be a part of them doing a thing that's difficult, a thing that maybe most people that come to the workshops don't think that they'll be able to do the ice bath. Uh, I've had people that will come to the workshop and say, hey, like, I'm only gonna do the breath work, I really don't wanna do the ice bath. And I say, that's fine, you don't have to do any of the things that you don't wanna do, but I promise you, you're gonna do the ice bath and you're gonna be just fine in there. And because there's this, this dynamic that happens where people start to get in, you see people just, oh, it's like this realization of things are way worse in my head than they are in reality. And so just to, it's really exciting to just be a part of that, seeing people go through that same process. And I know what they're going through because of, I've gone through it myself. And so that's what really excites me about sharing with other people. That's awesome. Now, Lindsay, for you, when did you, what was your first experience with either the breath work or the cold? Did he introduce you to it? And what, what have you gotten from it? Yeah, Joey definitely introduced me to it. My first breathwork experience, we were at a meditation retreat for Evolving Out Loud and Joey hosted a class and it was awesome. I think I like took off, I left like momentarily. Uh, breathwork finished, I was like, this is awesome. And then my first ice bath ever, we went to Hawaii for a friend's wedding and Joey did a ice bath for the two families it was really cool because you had like nieces and nephews that were younger and then you had grandmas and grandpas that were like 70s. The whole family, everyone of all ages, just both sides like came together and did this magical ice bath. Everyone there did two minutes too. Everyone did the wow. whole two minutes, yeah. Yeah. Now, had you done yoga or anything like that? Had you ever done much like meditation? Was that a part of your life prior? Yeah, I loved it. I grew up figure skating and then I quit figure skating to teach hot yoga. And then I married Joe who loves to bathe in ice. So, <laughs> God's plan. Uh, yeah, I, we met through Evolving Out Loud. I was super into, growing up I wasn't, but maybe like 22, 23, something in my head shifted. And I was just like, oh, meditation, spiritual, spirituality, personal development. I just like anything I could learn and expand in, like I went for it. That's awesome. Uh, do you also train jiu-jitsu or have you gotten? No, I've been to, I've been to like one or two classes, open mats with Joe. I've been dropped on my head once. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I, I respect it. I think it's really cool. It's definitely something I'm interested in. The world's like weird now. It's like hard yeah. to figure out how to start now. But yeah, I like the uh, like grounded control it seems to develop in the people that train it. So definitely interesting. Awesome. Um, I think the breath work, which Anthony gave to me through yoga mm -hmm. and everything, that probably was the biggest change in my jujitsu. Yeah. And just teaching me to slow down and like just not tire out because I was breathing better. Um, and looking back, it was still terrible. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot to figure out. Uh, but uh, no, awesome. So the reason I even am messing with this stuff is because of 
research for my traumatic brain injury book. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I had a bunch of traumatic brain injuries, I have friends that are uh, that I played college football with that are in brain studies. One recently died with, uh, he has CTE, like really bad uh, advanced. Um, so these, they're not necessarily guys that have taken a lot of abuse, but they all have similar characteristics. So I was looking for different things that can help them, things that would help me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, I think I was attracted to the Wim Hof method just because it was like, okay, that looks super hard, and so I want to try it. Like, it, it seems yeah. like, you know, that'd be pretty badass to be able to say I was that mentally tough because uh, that's always been a thing for me. But then I did realize, like, okay, when I go into the cold water, like, whatever anxiety or depression or whatever was in my head is suddenly, like, it's not there anymore. And mm-hmm. um, so that's been, that's been really cool to experience. But I hadn't really uh, given much credit to the breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I would do the pool, I would just kind of go in and I'd figure it out myself. But I wasn't really into the breathing. And so that's why I contacted you. And then I've been doing your Tuesday class, which is awesome. It's about, what, maybe an hour and 20 minutes? Like an hour, about. hour 15, yeah, yeah. depending on so things. So for me, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be difficult because... I want to get shit done. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to work. I want to, uh, like, my brain's always going. I'm, like, thinking about what I have to do. I think most people are like that. Yeah. So to be able to stop everything on a Tuesday morning and just breathe was difficult. But I just realized it is, uh, it's, it's been so beneficial. But it, it was mm-hmm. definitely hard. Uh, I could see a lot of people having a hard time, you know, getting through, you know, that long of just working on themselves um, and especially men mm-hmm. um, do you find that that's kind of the case do do men maybe have a harder time committing to your classes um, so yes and no yeah because it's interesting that uh, there is something to especially with people that do have that go 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 personality I find it's for those people it's the most difficult and women fit that bill as well it's just like the culture like what are you trying to achieve in life a lot of people are yeah like I gotta go 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 if I'm not productive then I'm dying I'm not doing anything productive I'm not being useful right now and so I think a thing that really helps is kind of a perspective change on it because the truth is you are doing something you are doing something very productive although maybe you're not moving from point A to point B, but you are in a way moving from point A to point B internally. And the way I always kind of look at doing this work, whether it is um, meditation or whether it's breath work, it is, it's like that inner, you're making yourself more primed to be more kind of efficient in how you move. There's the old Abraham Lincoln saying of, give me five hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. And I feel like that's what you get to do when you're either spending time meditating or you're spending time doing breath work, is you're taking the time to sharpen that ax. Because I, I find a lot of times in life, especially people that are go, 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 a lot of times like you're trying to solve these problems while they're in this kind of chaotic state. And it's a thing that's really common. You see it with parents, like they're trying to calm down their child, but while they're like in this totally amped up state, and they're like, why won't you calm down? And it's like, sir or ma'am, if you just took one second to step outside yourself, you'd see you're the reason that your child's not able to stay calm. So like with anything though that we do, any kind of things that we're trying to solve, when you're trying to do it in that way, a lot of people don't recognize you're creating more problems for yourself. So you have to, you're constantly trying to spin those plates versus when you take a little bit of time for yourself, relax yourself, 
A, you start recognizing there's a lot of plates that you're spinning that don't need to be spun. Mm-hmm. Like, why? That's, a lot of things that we're doing are from just kind of reaction to life. And so I find that a lot of times people find things that they can let go of, like, oh, like, I don't really need that. And it also allows you to be in a little bit more of a state of flow. And I find in that kind of flow state, you get a lot more done with a lot less effort needing to be put forward. And so just like when people take that time to recognize, hey, I'm doing something for myself in this moment. I'm doing something well, good for my health. You're making your body into a more alkaline state or you're just bringing yourself into a more calm, relaxed, parasympathetic nervous system state, which is like, you know, your body will function better. So you're going to encounter fewer health problems. And then there is just like the, the clarity that comes with either taking time to meditate, do breath work, or just something that's like your own time of bringing the heart rate down, bringing your breath rate down to a point where you're a little bit more calm and relaxed and you start seeing, okay, is this thing really that important to me? Okay, then that doesn't even need to get done. And then, okay, this is, these are the things that are important to me. Like I can now put more of my conscious attention into it. And so, as I said, it's not that it's like men or women, but it is just like a personality type that has a difficult time initially, but it also doesn't take a long time for them to recognize, okay, I, I, I feel better, and like I'm more appreciative of the things I have. I recognize what's more important to me. And so you do kind of move differently with that, uh, with that realization. Awesome. Um, one of the things uh, I, I've been thinking about it, I think the majority of the people that are going to be reading my book are, you know, going to be people that have traumatic brain injuries, mm-hmm. probably athletes, probably mainly men, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and even with me, I, I want to get better physically and I, and I realize that the breathe, I'm reading breath and I'm realizing how important it is and how much it will help, but I'm still having a hard time, uh, you know, getting into a routine and making it important mm-hmm. to me. So what would be... Like if you could design a program for someone, what would be, what do you think would give them the best chances of success of actually incorporating it into their life? Like totally. a, a breathing practice. Yeah, and so yeah, like one knowing what your priority is, what's important to you, and then also your own self-awareness. Is like we were talking about before, a lot of times like in the personal development field, you know, you'll find that there are people that were like battling addictions beforehand and now they're in this field. And so for those people, they tend to have an easy time adapting these things to their lives because of that addictive personality. They find something, they see that it's useful, they see that it triggers like these different chemical reactions within the body that make you feel a certain way. And so for some of those people, it's just, okay, I I can do this. And those people tend to also start off pretty intensely and they keep it intense. But for other people that are just, okay, I'm trying to bring something new into my regular routine, I'd say first and foremost, applying it in a way that you know is manageable in a way that you know that you would do it, right? Doing uh, like one set of the breath work, even though like three to four may be ideal, well, doing one set's better than doing none. And so like when I do the workshops, I know I teach it in a way that to do it that often, like to do it every day that way would be intense because of it is a generally kind of intense experience and yeah, like to put yourself through it, you may encounter some resistance. So sometimes like, all right, just when I'm meditating, all right, let me just take a little time for myself. I know this is important because of I'll be more efficient in other things that I do, but now, okay, let's apply some of the breath work to it. So sometimes when I'm meditating, I'll be, okay, let's just knock out 
one set. Just count 30 breaths, you'll do your breath hold, and then like that's it. And so doing one set takes, you know, maybe three minutes. Mm -hmm. It's easy to do. And then once I'm done with it, it's okay, how do I feel? Do you want to get another one in? All right, yeah, but maybe not right now. And then maybe I'll wait a little bit to get that other one in. So sometimes just on the days where maybe I'm not feeling super motivated, I'm like, okay, I want to do this because I know by by doing it, I will start to feel better and feel motivated to do the other things. I feel a lot of the day is just, you know, winning those little micro battles. All right, I did one thing. All right, maybe I'll do another thing. And so mm. just kind of getting that one initial set, just in your mind, just tell yourself, I'm going to do one. One's better than none. It's mm. not perfect, but it's better than none. And then once you do the one, seeing if you feel good enough to do another one. And usually you do start to feel a little bit more like awake, more alive. Okay, the second one's a little, let me just wait a little bit to get there. And so I feel that like on those kinds of days, just, yeah, like just doing it in a way that it's manageable. But then if you just like tell yourself, okay, I want to do it three, three, maybe like three breath sessions, like three, uh, three rounds, mm -hmm. uh, just figure out how you want to do that. Like, okay, do I want to do them all back to back to back? Or could I split it up in any kind of way? But always having it in that way that you know that you'll be able to manage, even if it is just getting that one set in because of that's going to start getting the ball rolling. And yeah, just like those baby steps, anything, if, if you can manage it, you can make it happen. And so just like, all right, I can do one set. One set's fine. Three minutes, three minutes out of my day. We all have three minutes out of our day. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do I have another three minutes to do another set? Awesome. Let's go for another. And so just doing it in the ways that for yourself, just taking that one next step. And so, yeah, just make like making it in little bite-sized chunks to the point where it's uh, it stays easy. That's cool. Uh, no, I, I man, Tuesdays, that's probably the best day of the week. That's when I feel the best. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. I wasn't feeling good at all. I didn't mm -hmm. know if I was even going to do your class. And then I did it, and I felt so much better afterwards, mm -hmm. you know. So um, I, I see the importance of it, and I just – that's what I, I – Next month, I'm really going to make it a priority. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I'm going to be really looking into, which I had no intention of doing, um, was the meditative part of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've read about how it's important. And, you know, especially for people that are dealing with uh, like TBI symptoms like depression, anxiety, yeah. trouble thinking, you know, um, stuff like that. Now... I, th I think that was probably one of the biggest surprises and uh, of how much I enjoy your meditation and what it gives. So why did you start incorporating that? And do you, do you find, it, it just seems to make so much sense to do it after the breath work mm -hmm. too. It seems like your body is primed. So yeah. if you kind of go into that a little bit about why you've included the meditation and you know what you've seen as far as results from that for sure yeah as you mentioned like that your body is primed for because i find that with the, like you know the breath work we're working on that kind of mind body spirit element of things and so it's also easy to look at the breath work as just its own individual thing i'm just going to breathe i'm going to get these health benefits i'll feel good great but like i've found as i said just from my own personal experience doing the breath work i know how i feel when i'm there and your body just is so receptive to all these kind of different things because of as like you know we were talking about before how uh, like a lot of things are like that we talk about of gratitude forgiveness appreciation uh, love 
like that they're not just these mental constructs they're like these physical reactions or these physical feelings in the body it feels a certain way when you actively forgive someone it feels a certain way when you're grateful for a thing like a lot of times like oh just be grateful for what you have but there is the like the mind of okay if i'm happy i have this i'm happy i have that and then there's the difference of actively feeling it in your body and i feel that like when you do the breath work because of so many different chemical reactions are going on within your body and you just feel just all these unique sensations that just incorporating these kind of uh, like these meditations, just like when your brain is in such a, like a, um, a receptive state that just kind of like, yeah, like incorporating appreciation or just kind of going back to like these memories that make you feel great about what you've done, about finding these moments of achievement, gratitude, love, and just also turn it like, you know, just, okay, just turn yourself into a gratitude vacuum. Put your attention on something small and something big that you can be grateful for. And once again, with, if you're not kind of primed for it, you can still do these things like, okay, let me take a moment to think about these things. However, when you're in that kind of unique nervous system state from a really good post breath work uh, session, you'll see that your body's just so much more receptive to kind of take in that information that like taking that time to focus on something small or big that you're mm. grateful for, whatever it may be, you'll notice like it lands differently within the body that you really feel all the kind of emotions. And it's, I mean, during the breath work, you also go into different parts of your brain, your prefrontal cortex starts to quiet down. So all that mental chatter starts to go away. You start to go deeper into the reptilian, mammalian parts of your brain. And so a lot of times people do have these emotional releases because of, you know, in the mammalian part of our brain, that's where a lot of these things are kind of stored. And so that's where like, it's really active during these breathwork sessions. So sometimes people cry out things that they've been holding on to for a long time. And it just is like, you're in this really unique receptive state that just kind of like, hey, take a moment to be grateful for these things. And you just, your body just carries it differently than, you know, outside of that breathwork session. That's cool. Yeah, no, I, in, in the Tuesday classes, I've always gotten something from it and it's kind of surprised me. And then, but today, like I was flooded with a, a bunch of stuff and, and giving gratitude for things that had always been a negative in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, things that I look back on, like I was actually happy about getting my ass kicked in an MMA fight. I was, yeah. that's, that was one of the moments I was thinking about. I was like, and what that moment gave me uh, down the road and, um, and some other stuff like that. So I was, yeah. I was like, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, no, I think that's in, I think so many people don't, uh, look their emotions. We were talking about that earlier, just how many, especially men, you know, mm -hmm. we just cut that shit off. Yeah. So, um, no, I think it's super helpful and that's probably helpful to have uh, like for men, maybe, I don't, I don't know if it's true. Um, but it might be easier hearing the guided meditation from another man too. Mm -hmm. Um, so if anyone's looking for guided meditation and not sure if you can handle it, uh, check out Joey's class for oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and you have, do you have more than one classes? Do you have a, a Tuesday and a Thursday? So yeah, the Thursday one I do, it's, uh, it's within this package that we have. That's, uh, we, uh, the company I work for evolving out loud has, it's like a member package of $29 a month. And so I do a breath session, uh, for those people on those, that's, that's what okay. I do on the Thursdays. But yeah, then the Tuesdays is just, uh, my thing that I bring to the world and yeah people that want to come to it you can either pay the uh what is i don't even know what it is like the, the ten dollars for the one session 
20 for the month, yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, and it's all, is it all joeyhouse.com? Joeyhouse.com, yeah. Awesome. H-A-U-S-S, uh, as far as my last name goes, yeah. Um, now, the other thing, so I think when I first contacted you, I was mainly drawn to the ice bath. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I want to do, and that's what we did today. Um, but honestly, um, like, I got more from the breath work and the meditation. Like, the and the ice bath was probably just as good mm -hmm. uh, but it was uh it, it was kind of surprising that um i don't know that i had that i had that reaction i, I was kind of surprised do you see other people kind of experiencing that as well at your other yeah there's uh i think there's like the old saying in the personal development world you uh you sell people what they want so you can give them what they need and so in my experience is that people come to these Wim Hof Method workshops because of the ice bath. It's the thing on videos that you see people going through and it's this thing that like, you know, we, we recognize in our minds that a, a, any kind of cold immersion, especially an ice bath, is a challenge. That mm -hmm. you go into it and most people without any kind of technique behind it get in and jump immediately back out. Your body goes so intensely into that fight or flight state that it becomes very difficult to stay in there without any kind of tools of breath or interoceptive exercise or anything like that. And so that's what brings people in. They're like, okay, like I want to confront this challenge of the ice bath. However, there's no way to really show like what you get out of a breath work session. It's really a very intensely experiential event. Mm -hmm. You you go through the breath work, you feel these really unique sensations and yeah, like recognizing things like gratitude, appreciation, love or these really intense physical feelings that you know, maybe we don't recognize so much day to day, but the breath work just allows these things to come up into the body. It takes you to a very, very powerful meditative state. And so like, that's what I usually find is that people will either come terrified of the ice bath and want to kind of be around the energy of people and maybe have done a breath work thing and are interested in that. But most people come because they see the challenge of the ice bath and then the breath work, all right, well, maybe like the breath work makes the ice bath a little easier, not recognizing the breath work is its own amazing, unique experience that really can't be shown. You can't look at anyone externally, see what they're doing and be like, oh, like I would love to do that. It is that internal experience that's so intense that, yeah, like there's no way to really show that to people. However, yeah, people come to the workshop with the expectation of conquering the ice bath and then... For 99% of people, they always come and say, yeah, it was the breath work. The breath work was the big thing. And the ice bath is the like the icing on the cake. It's, oh, I, I confronted that. I did that. It was awesome. But yeah, it was the breath work that really That's is the cool. experience that I'm going to remember. Yeah. And I, dude, I was intimidated by that ice bath for sure because mm -hmm. I hadn't done any cold work in like a week and I never go, I've never gone that cold. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was definitely intimidated by it. I was thinking about it. It was giving me some anxiety, uh, but then it felt awesome. And yeah. I know I wouldn't have hit that if it hadn't been for, you know, the breath work and watching you do it, you demonstrating first. I think that definitely helps a lot because that puts that image in your mind. Like, okay, he could do it. Another person can do it. I can do it. Yeah. Um, I got that from doing like so many workshops recognizing, okay, if I allow the first person to go in there who maybe is just like so scared, like, all right, let me get this out of the way. If that person freaks out, then right. the image that everyone's stuck with is like, oh, this thing's just as hard as I thought versus, yeah, like, I'll go in and be, this, like, I'm not a special human being who has superpowers of dealing with cold in a way no one else does. It's a thing, like, we can all do this. This mm -hmm. is a thing that 
as I like you know Lindsay said that we've had people in their 70s come to workshops and are totally zen and I've also seen super tough MMA fighters freak out while they're in the ice as well so it's a thing that's literally intimidating for everybody I've never had anyone like yeah I've never done it before but I'll be fine everyone's you know innately kind of afraid of that kind of cold yet at the same time I haven't seen anyone who like doesn't have the ability to get in there stay in there stay calm while they're in there now for someone that doesn't really care about the challenge part but wants to improve their state of mind that once helps with their emotions um, you know help pull them out of depression or whatever else what benefits does the cold have what, what why would you tell them to try it out and how would you ease them into it would For it be sure. cold showers cold showers 100 percent. and so also with cold showers because the way i even do cold showers like i don't just go into a cold shower i'll like i sandwich it i'll have it where i'll turn the shower to hot i'll get in while it's warming up and then at the end of the shower i'll turn it back to cold so it is like i love a warm shower it's nice and refreshing to get in the shower it's nice and warm However, if I turn it to warm, get in while it's warming up, I'm like, okay, this is only gonna be a few seconds and eventually it's gonna get warm, it'll be nice. And then once like that's done, I'm nice and warm. So okay, now I kind of mentally get ready for the final stage of cold. And I find it to be like this easy, manageable way to introduce yourself to the cold immersion. And yeah, like the cold immersion has a bunch of its own health benefits where like it has a really great cardiovascular benefits where you get in, and you're giving yourself kind of like a nervous system workout. You're getting vasoconstriction going on. The blood vessel, all the blood comes to the core, gets extra oxygenated. You get extra red and white blood cells. You're doing something great for your body. You're also building all these anti-inflammatory proteins going to the body. So it's great for inflammation. It's why athletes have been doing like various kinds of ice baths forever. This mm -hmm. is before, you know, the, it was any kind of fad. It's just high-level athletes would have to get themselves in the ice because you have to deal with that inflammation. Uh, and then you also, you get all these endorphins for, from just like surviving in this thing. And then there is that additional component of it's, you have to initially face a fear and mm -hmm. then overcome it. I feel a lot of life is that. If you can just make it a habit to face a, one fear every day and overcome it, you're gonna see that it's gonna build all this positive momentum. You do it once and then your body goes, what else can we confront? What else is our mind or body lying to us about mm -hmm. as far as why I'm afraid of this thing? Like I, I see it the same thing as I, as I mentioned before, Tony Robbins and how he has the fire walk. It is this thing that you look at and every part of your body goes like this, I shouldn't be doing this, but you can also activate a part of your brain goes, doesn't matter, we're doing it. And if you can make it a habit of, you know, building repetitions of, building that kind of mindset, mm -hmm. you're going to confront more challenges in your life and you're going to make yourself live a more exciting, maybe more fulfilled life. And so there's that component. And then also you learn to stay calm while you're in the stressful situation, while you're in that ice bath. When you're in there, a lot of people's instinct is to try to fight it. You'll see people kind of flexing all their muscles or I've seen people get in there, ha, ah, ah, ha, like don't do that. Just surrender to it you can see that you can relax your body a little more you can control your breathing and i find you get that like really good yin yang balance of you have to control your breathing but kind of surrender the rest of your mm -hmm. body just relax while you're in there and you'll find that okay it's just cold that's all that's all it is after about 20 seconds 20 seconds of 
maybe like a little bit of fight or flight, your breathing's elevated, your heart rate's elevated. But once you get control of that and you learn to relax in there, you start to see, oh, I can, I can stay calm in any kind of stressful situation. You see that that's available to you. And as I said, I feel that that can literally benefit anybody, even if you're not actively seeking out these challenges that, oh, building a habit of recognizing I can stay calm while one part of my body's telling me we're stressed out. Yeah. No, dude, I, I love it. I, I, uh, one of the things I love the most is just the, the, the talks I have, getting myself into the pool. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then I'll get halfway, and then I'll be like, okay, well, why am I stopping myself? Like, just mm-hmm. go. You're going to get cold anyhow. Just, yeah. just walk. Just force yourself to walk into it. And uh, no, that's always a lot of fun. And then I do find, like, it, it, it could be such a peaceful moment. Yeah. Like, and my wife can't believe it. She she won't step in it. Uh-huh. And but she sees me, and I'll come in. I'm like, I'm just totally relaxed. Like I I feel like I'm in a much much better place mentally than I was ten minutes ago. But it is so hard to make that initial step, yeah. especially especially at the very start. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm glad I've incorporated. I just need to make it part of my routine. For sure. Um, yeah, that's, but, I think that's the biggest struggle. And I feel you've already gotten past the hardest part of it by actively starting. Mm-hmm. Because of just like with anything, with any kind of endeavor that seems bigger than you, if you just get those first couple steps in and kind of, once again, make it that habit of recognizing, oh, I can do this. Oh, okay, like I'm right, this is where I'm at in the process. You start seeing that things that were once, you know, they once seemed impossible or very doable. And it changes how you start to interact with other kinds of challenges. Uh, I used to think that like, if you were to fall into the thin ice in somewhere, that if you fell in the water and thin ice, you'd be dead. Like mm-hmm. that, You have 10 seconds and then you're dead. And then to know, oh, no, never mind. You can actually get in the water, focus on your breathing, stay calm, and not even just survive, but you can, oh, like I'm fine. I'm comfortable in here. You can get comfortable in that. And then you make it a habit of, okay, it's hard to get into the ice bath, but I'm gonna do it. Okay, it's a little challenge. And then before you know it, it's like, oh, it's like, it's that time. I gotta get in the ice bath again. It becomes a normal part. And sometimes I, you know, I've done probably a few thousand ice baths at this point, but like I still encounter resistance mm. every time I'm about to encounter the cold, every time. But it's, it becomes easier and easier, and it's like a smaller and smaller thing. That's cool. And so, yeah, with so many things in life, there are, okay, this was really impossible and difficult at first. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is my career. I do this every day. And you can do that with anything. Mm. Things that once seemed super challenging could then become your normal, your normal day to day. And so it's just an interesting thing to see and to make into a practice. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's an awesome perspective. I think anyone would benefit from that. Um, That's super cool. Is there, dude, I've kept you guys here all day. I I feel feel terrible. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else that you would. want to want to talk about want to mention of you know why whether it's breathing whether it's cold whether it is um uh you know the meditation mm-hmm. um i don't know i think you i think you nailed it <laughs> with all your descriptions but if there's anything else yeah i feel i feel that it's important to have some kind of meditative exercise uh in your day in your life And it also doesn't have to be you sitting cross-legged on a thing, just focused on your breathing. I feel if you're looking for a tool to help your mindset, your your health, meditation, breath work are awesome tools as far as that goes. 
However, like if you're an athlete, jujitsu is a meditation. Like, mm-hmm. Meditation is just simply putting all of your focused attention onto whatever it is that you're doing. And right, and, like you could, if you're washing dishes, if you're washing dishes and you're thinking about all the things you have to do tomorrow or whatever, it's one thing versus if you're like, I'm just going to focus on the intricacy of washing this dish or whatever mm. it is. Like, that's a meditative exercise. And so just like finding something that allows you to put your focused attention into what you're doing. And you'll see that, okay, like you can then do it with this. And then it starts applying itself into other things that you do. And you'll start to see that, like, man, just getting out of the thinking about the future, thinking about the past, and having something that just puts you into the moment, uh, it just it releases a lot of anxiety and just helps you know a lot of different internal processes happen a little bit more naturally, a little bit easier, just by kind of putting that focus on whatever it is. And more and more, I'm finding that like I can go on walks and also like you know get it, being very in the breath world. Sometimes I'll just go on walks and I'll just focus on taking a nice five and a half second inhale through my nose five and a half second exhale through my nose and it's just I'm just really focused on the breaths while I'm making on a walk or mm-hmm. while I'm driving if I feel anxiety and so just knowing that these tools are available wherever that sometimes I know there's people that are I would love to meditate but I don't have time to meditate well you can find a meditative exercise that doesn't necessarily need to be what you perceive as a waste of time sitting in a certain place however also with that being said Also know that if you spend 20, 30, 60 minutes sitting, just focusing internally, you're also going to, it's going to apply in other ways and you're going to start seeing things in life that you can maybe let go of that don't need to be done by you. Uh, Seeing like, oh, okay, I'm doing this thing out of stress. Maybe if I'm a little bit more relaxed about it, it'll get done easier and more in flow. And so just having these meditative practices really go a long way as far as so many different aspects of your life. And just like having something, having some kind of meditative practice that you enjoy doing that makes it easier to do consistently uh, really goes a long way. That's cool. Uh, And I think that's a great point. One of the things I was just thinking was on my walks, sometimes I do uh, just think about my, my breath, which is hard because other walks I want to be thinking about what story I'm working on mm-hmm. or I want to work on my German or I want to work you know do something else I want to do something I do something uh, but I'm realizing when I do just think about my breath like I'm coming home I'm in such a better mood and then my creativity is also you know higher yeah. I, I probably I probably worked on something subconsciously yeah uh, so it wasn't like a you know a waste of time where I was just thinking about breathing which sounds like such a boring thing and a uh-huh. <laughs> you know but uh, so no, I think that's an awesome point. Um, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming out today. This yeah, has been super us. cool. This is uh, I'm, I'm so glad my wife was able to meet you guys. She oh, loved yeah. you. She's like, she's like, no way. He's a Marine just like <laughs> Anthony. She's like, they're, they're so much alike. Uh, so, no, thank you guys so much for coming out. And then, yeah, people, you should definitely check out Joey's uh, his Instagram. Probably the best. Joey. Yeah, I mean, Joey like, I, Joe, it's J-O-E-Y-H-A-U-S-S. That's my Instagram, Facebook my TikTok, YouTube, my email, and also my website, joeyhouse.com. Yeah, so you can find me through that, and then whether it's the social media, the website, yeah, you can find any of the breathwork stuff I do there, and awesome no i I encourage everyone to check it out it's been awesome so thank you guys so much for coming i appreciate it hell yeah
29-US89N4X June 21st, 2039 Walt Jaworski pulled up to the gate and lowered the cruiser's window. He slipped off the recog glasses recently banned inside HQ and faced the mirrored guard shack. When had he gotten so old? Fifty-one and still in the field, his dyed brown hair not fooling anyone. He gave his name and agent number to the small silver box, waited for the retinal scan. The gate rolled open. Walt drove through the final security checkpoint, none of them manned by humans. Dreschner's latest efficiency reform. Walt wondered how long before he would be replaced by a machine. The sun reflected off the massive gunmetal gray building. Walt parked three rows from the entrance. It had been six months since he'd been called into HQ, and that had only been to escort an analyst to the retraining center. This morning, dispatch said Dreschner needed to see him. Walt knew this couldn't be good. Rumor was that Dreschner no longer saw anyone. Walt checked his smile in the rear view. It'll be fine, he said. He got out and closed the door. The clenched fist of the controller's logo emblazoned on his side. The straightened his black uniform, reminded himself he was one of the best agents in the field. Maybe this was about his oldest son, Brian, who'd been submitting applications for almost a year. Maybe they were going to finally offer him a position. The steel door slid open and snapped shut behind him. Walt stepped into the pristine white lobby. Huggins, Dreschner's weasel of an assistant, was waiting, arms crossed. Talking as if he were the heavy-muscled guard standing behind him, Huggins said, Your guns, both of them. Walt watched Huggins, beady eyes. Never had to before. Huggins wasn't amused. New policy. Walt handed over the forty-five at his waist and the snub-nosed forty strapped to his ankle. Huggins gave the forty to the guard, kept his eyes on Walt. You know, you'll have to make the switch. Walt nodded at the Huggins particle pistol. I don't trust those things. Huggins headed down the hallway, finger on the forty-five's trigger. Follow me. Walt looked at the guard. You have a new policy, too? The guard motioned with the forty's barrel for Walt to get moving. Huggins said, You talk too much. Walt bit his lip. He wasn't about to throw this job away because of some power-hungry little prick. Walt followed Huggins into the glass tube suspended a hundred feet over the building's data collection hub. Analysis in silver suits matching headphones sat at their consoles, fingers scrolling through lines of encryption. Becoming an analyst was even more grueling than the process for becoming a field agent. The agency couldn't afford to hire the wrong candidate. If a field agent went rogue, he could be tracked and eliminated. An analyst could spread a million secrets. Analysts had to be meticulous, loyal, and, above all, cold. If the information called for action, they had to follow protocol. They had to be above reproach. Even though Walt had handled some things he'd rather forget, He always had the assurance that it had been thoroughly researched and based on facts. 
In front of the analysts below was a giant screen playing a two-year-old clip of the president behind his desk. His words piped through speakers and scrolling across his chest. Walt didn't have to read them or listen. He'd heard the speech a thousand times. He concentrated on his breath, tried not to think of how Huggins was walking, back straight, long strides. Walt had escorted enough people to know this wasn't a friendly visit. He tried to think if there was anything he might have recently done, something to raise a flag. Look around you, at your neighbors, the president said. They can't even handle their own problems. You want them handling yours? The president leaned forward, both fists clenched on his desk, looking like a true leader, not some figurehead who had bowed before the young preacher. We cannot allow this nation to fail. There's too much at stake. I will preserve order. Our country will triumph. The glass door slid open, revealing rotunda, an arching dome, marble floors, and brilliant white walls. Huggins said to hold on and disappeared into Dreschner's office. Walt looked around the room. He felt dizzy. Huggins reappeared and held open the door, pointed to a silver chair in front of Dreschner's desk. Take a seat. Walt did as he was told. The chair was freezing and uncomfortable. He noticed the framed photographs were gone, nothing on the walls, no trace of what had been here during his last visit. Dreschner still looked sharp with his jet-black hair and winning smile, but something was off. Walt said, I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. Dreschner nodded. That's very kind of you. He pushed a button on the desk's console. Strips of metal shot out from the arms of the chair. Walt couldn't move fast enough. They wrapped around his throat, chest, ankles, and arms. A mechanical claw crept out from between his legs and guided a syringe with an inch-long needle to the side of his neck. He leaned as far as he could to the left, felt the sharp tip tracing over his skin. Dreschner pressed another button. The needle stopped. I have a few questions. Give me the right answers and everything's fine. Walt tried to stay calm. Didn't say a word. Maybe it was a test. Some kind of new training program. Dreschner turned to Huggins. You two can go. Huggins glared at Walt. The door opened. Footsteps. Walt couldn't see if the men had actually left. Walt said, Sir, I haven't done anything. Really? Dreschner studied him. We've all done something. Walt wasn't in any position to argue. He just tried to breathe. Dreschner pressed his finger to the wall. The blind snapped shut and his features disappeared in the darkness. I want to believe you, but I need to be sure. He pressed the button again and the needle slid into Walt's neck. I'm injecting you with P604. Your answers better match what I already know. The serum coursed through Walt's veins. He scrambled to think of what might be asked. He feared it was about rumors regarding Gressner's daughter. Why she'd taken her life. He'd heard the awful stories. Dreschner sat on the desk, clearly waiting for the serum to settle in. I hate bad news, don't you, Walt? Sir, Walt slurred. Everything slowed. Dreschner's mouth was moving. But Walt couldn't make out the words. He just heard his own heartbeat in his ears. Walt, 
When did you last speak with Vincent Morrison? It was Saturday. No, Friday. I picked up Todd after work. What was discussed? Nothing. Nothing important. What was said? Might have asked him how his day was going. And Laura? Shit. This couldn't be about that. They'd been so careful. She was busy with dinner. But she came to the door. Yes. Did you give her a hug? Walt's stomach flipped. He started to say he couldn't remember, but every time he touched Laura was permanently ingrained. I think so, yeah. Dreschner's smile disappeared. I only want certainties. It killed Walt to be talked to this way, especially by a hand-picked puppet for the way. Yes, I hugged her. Okay. Dreschner slid back. Do you always know what Vincent was planning? Is that why you referred him? Sir? Answers the question. I have heard him because he was an excellent Marine and my friend. So you knew him well? Yes. And you expect me to believe you had absolutely no idea what he was up to? Even with all the time you spend at his house? I don't understand what you're getting at. Okay, he might be telling the truth, but let's find out. He pressed the button and another mechanical claw slithered out from the back of the chair. The needle plunged into the base of Walt's skull. The effects were immediate, and not like the last time when everything slowed. This time it felt like he was floating away from his body. His mouth was an autopilot. Walt answered each of the same questions. Thankfully, they matched. Give or take a word or two. Your friend Vincent is a traitor, Walt swallowed. No. Yes, he is, and he needs to be brought in. We cannot have terrorists in our midst, especially one of our own. Now, you made this mess by bringing him in, and you will clean it up. How could Vince have betrayed anyone? Walt didn't want to believe it. You're wrong about Vince. Dreschner stood and said, October 24, Sacramento, Senator Humphrey's office. A screen popped up from the desk. The footage showed Vincent walking away from the building as people filed through the front doors. Three seconds later, everything went up in flames. Dreschner repeated his question. Can I count on you to do your duty? The controllers didn't make mistakes, and now he'd seen it with his own eyes. This is your last chance, Walt. Can I count on you? Yes. Good. I want him alive. I need to know how far this spread in the agency. They calmed Walt to know Vincent wasn't already sentenced to death. I will bring him in. And Laura, too. Walt nodded as much as a restraint allowed. And their daughter? Sir? Relax. I want her brought in separately. I'll make sure to take care of her. Place her in a good home. Lorelei, Walt's goddaughter, was only twelve. Dreschner's assurance he'd find her at home didn't offer any comfort. Dreschner held his finger over another button. You sure you can do this? Remember, we are all replaceable. I will do my duty and defend my country. The words every agent spoke on the day of graduation. Dreschner hit the switch. The restraint zipped back into the chair, along with the mechanical claws. I'm trusting you here. Fulfill your orders and Brian will have a good job. Wald didn't buy it. Dresner was just bringing up his son in another threat. 
The drive to Vince's was the longest and shortest 30 minutes of Walt's life. He exited the freeway, started down the route he'd driven thousands of times. But instead of turning at the corner, Walt went up a few blocks and made a right. He'd never been on the street before. Half the houses were for male sale signs, two teenagers with backpacks strolling down the sidewalk. Another right turn, different direction, same destination. He parked in front of the three-bedroom townhouse, a lot nicer than his own. Vincent's unmarked black sedan sat in the driveway. Walt checked his weapon, reholstered it, turned up the radio to drown out his thoughts. Laura was like a mom to his son, Todd, babysitting him every afternoon since his mom died when he was two. Walt first saw a picture of Laura in Afghanistan. Vince had said she was the only woman brave enough and dumb enough to put up with his crap. Walt stared at his hand on the wheel. The chip embedded near his wrist made him get out of the cruiser. The controllers were definitely monitoring. They know he was stalling. He put on his recog glasses, walked up the driveway, and blew out a deep breath. Before he could even ring the doorbell, Laura answered it. I thought that was you in the driveway. She swept her blonde hair from her eyes. Vincent is actually downstairs. Should I get him? Walt's recog glasses showed elevated levels of adrenaline. She was nervous. I was just about to start dinner. Todd and Lorelei should be home from school soon. Walt didn't need recog glasses to know she was covering something. This was her happily married, everything's wonderful voice. Vincent was probably in hearing range. I didn't expect you so early. Walt kept his tone friendly when he said, I got off early. You, you said he's in the basement? Yes. Quieter than before, she said. Is everything okay? Yeah, boring work stuff. I just wanted to go over it with him before dinner. I'll get him then. Walt stepped inside, grabbed Laura's arm. Hold on a sec. I'll just go down. Really? It's no trouble. He needs to come up anyway. Been down there all day. I thought he had the flu. Laura pulled her arm back. Is this what happens when your husband calls in sick? Are you interrogating me with your glasses? She moved toward the basement door, disappeared down the steps. Walt pulled out his gun, started for the basement, then looked down the hallway, saw their bedroom, a suitcase and duffel bag near the door. Vince came up the stairs. You're a little early for Todd, aren't you? Don't they have art today? Yeah, I came here so we could talk. Vincent cocked his head. Everything okay? What's with the gun? I'm going to ask you some questions. Questions I don't want to ask. Vince glanced back at the duffel bag by his bedroom. Played it cool. Walked into the living room. If you don't want to ask, then, then don't. He stood by the end table. There was an antique candle holder next to the TV remote. Walt's recog glasses registered them as a remote control and a weapon. Vince said, What's on your mind? You know why I'm here. No, but judging by the way you're all uptight, I'm guessing someone's pissed about me not showing up today. Either that or you want to admit your affair with my wife. Laura, now standing in the hallway, let out a laugh. But Walt didn't react. Vince looked like he was about to reach for the candlestick. Walt leveled the forty-five with Vince's face. Don't even think about it. 
Vince put up his hands. Whoa, what are you doing? You're a goddamn traitor. A traitor? What the hell are you talking about? Humphrey's office. I saw the footage. You blew it up. There were people in there. Kids. Man, you've lost your mind. You going to call me a traitor? In my house? Vince headed for the hallway before the recog glasses could get a read on his vitals. Vince was walking toward the duffel bag. Walt took aim at the back of his head. Don't make me do this. Don't take another step. Vince stopped. Walt told him to back up, to stand next to Laura. Laura said, This isn't funny, Walt. Walt waved her over with the pistol, kept his eyes on Vince. Do you have this plan from the start? Did you use me to get inside the agency? Vince shook his head. You know I'm not a traitor. You know this. Then what's in the bag? I have a disc, okay? I read something I shouldn't have. Found out some things I couldn't believe. Just let me show you. Do not move. I opened an in-house message. You can see it for yourself. I don't need to see anything. You show it to them at the center. You're going to take me to the retraining center, huh? You know exactly what they do in there. Come on, man, this is me. I saved your life. I looked after your boys when you couldn't even get out of bed after Gary died. Vince, I have to bring both of you in. I don't have a choice. Because it's an order? Do you know what you're even following? They're killing people, Walt, for their money. They're executing wealthy citizens and seizing their assets. Walt had heard the rumors. He just never thought it possible. The recog glasses said Vince was telling the truth. Still, Vince had training to survive interrogation, and he had to be lying. Walt ripped off the glasses. They're setting me up, Walt. They are, because I know too much. Not another word. I'm not your judge. Now put out your hands. Walt reached for his handcuffs. Come on, what about Lorelei? Don't do this. The director said he'd take care of her. Laura screamed. No, you can't do this. This is insane. He didn't respond. Walt, please. Laura said, just look at me. Walt glanced at Laura. What? He's not lying. I've seen the files. They're plans. It's social engineering. Vince said, just let me show you. Vince started toward the bag. Walt's finger tensed around the trigger. Laura lunged and grabs Walt's arm, the gun swiveling. Laura tried to rip it away. A shot fired. Laura's eyes widened. She stumbled back against the wall, slowly slid to the floor, a trail of blood streaking down the yellow paint. Walt looked down at his gun, his finger still over the trigger. It was as if his hand belonged to someone else. Vince fell onto his wife, her eyes staring straight through Walt. The sound of brakes squeaking, a school bus pulled to the curb. Their kids would be coming out any second. Jesus, Vince said. I'm sorry. Vince looked out at the bus, the door starting to open. You have to kill me, Vince said. What? You can't bring me in. They'll torture Lorelei to get what they want. And all I have is this disc. You have to kill me now. No. Vince got to his feet, yanked Walt's arm up, pulled the gun to his own chest. Do it. The door to the school bus opened. Kids filed out. You have to protect her. You know what they'll do if I'm alive. Walt did. They'd both be dead within the week. 
Please. Walt swallowed, squeezed off around into Vincent's heart, watched him collapse onto his wife. The screen door slammed shut as Walt walked into the yard. He cut off Lorelei and Todd before they could see him inside. Come on, we have to go. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.